this is Stefan Chavidjan, and uh, I am once again blessed to be with two wonderful friends, Doug Tuhill and Steve Scalisi. I hope you joined us for part one, where we talked about what it means to live a generous life. Uh, they both wrote a book called A Generous Life, and the thing I love about this book is how practical it is. Uh, part one, we talked about five steps to developing um, a giving plan, and then we actually talked about the giving plan. And uh, what I was intrigued by was the intentionality of how we are to live our lives in giving. Um, We think about the intentionality of other areas of our lives. We think about our intentionality in investing. We think about our intentionality in education. Many of us are very intentional about our hobbies. Uh, We're intentional about our walk with Christ. I would at least hope we are. But sometimes we're not very intentional about our giving. We sort of go to, you know, we read a newsletter that comes in the mail or an email, or we go to a what I call a chicken dinner, and though they're inspirational, we may have not real connection to that ministry, but we feel compelled for such a time as this to give. But the reality is, giving is not just a one-time thing, um, as you both shared earlier. It's actually something that involves, you know, just our whole life, the way we live our lives. So once again, in part two here, I am here with a dear friend, Doug Tuhill and Steve Scalisi. Doug is a board member of NCF South Florida. He's also a client. He's in the wealth management business. And Steve Scalisi, who's a bivocational wealth management business and pastor, so from time to time, I may refer to him as Pastor Steve. He's also a client and uh, shortly a board member one of these days as I try to woo him in. But um, you will see by the conversation we have today that they're both um, not only incredible examples, but have a lot to offer us on what it means to live this generous life. So welcome again. You talked, uh, you, you, we spoke about your book. Uh, we talked a little bit about the why behind the book. Uh, today, I want to dig a little bit deeper into um, the having the giving plan. Uh, we talked about how to develop a giving plan, but now maybe we can talk a little bit about the advantages of having that giving plan. Um, and I would love for you to explain a little bit how you involve uh, your family in the process. Maybe, Doug, you could start with that. Sure. So I have a history uh, in that area because uh, I was taught about generosity from my mother at a very early age. And mm-hmm. the church I went to, I specifically remember getting this little cardboard fold-up uh, st- church and steeple with a slot in the top, mm-hmm. and we would we would put <laughs> money in. And after that, uh, I remember very specifically my mother sponsored a, a child in Asia, and uh, she explained to me that there were kids in the world who didn't whose family couldn't take care of them, which was was just a phenomenally shocking thing to mm-hmm. me. So even though I really didn't get good saved until I was 29, when I got my own job and started making money, I actually sponsored a bunch of kids mm-hmm. through a Christian organization, even though I was not involved in the church or, or anything like that. And that was a hook to me that was uh, uh, very meaningful. As far as what I want for my family, uh, my wife and I, you know, it's a great activity that we're involved in together, that uh, we're able to explore things together. With my kids, um, we, my kids are growing up in Jupiter, Florida, Mm. which is an affluent area, Mm -hmm. and they are surrounded by things of the world. Mm -hmm. And I know from when we could just do a whole afternoon on this, but we know that the things of the world do not satisfy, Mm -hmm. although they are the shiny trinket that 
can allure people's passions and direction and emotions. And ultimately, without God, those don't lead to the satisfaction that we'd like. Mm -hmm. uh, and opening the door to generosity with our family, just very simple. It's not that there's any huge formula or anything, but uh, telling them about things we're giving to, inviting them to contribute ideas, taking them on mission trips, uh, all of those things are... Um, uh, are, are things that have become part of our family DNA. Three of my six uh, children are uh, international adoptions, so there's a connection to uh, in their own histories to the fact that there are the needy and the uh, and the surplus. Henry Blackaby has a uh, has a great great saying. Uh, he's a uh, a Baptist uh, theologian. He said in God's economy that the rich and the poor need each other. The poor need the rich for their material needs and the rich need the poor for their spiritual needs. Mm. So because of the experience I had myself growing up, I knew that my children needed something very, very tangible in their hearts that was a connection to God and God's work here uh, in this time we have on earth, which is so brief. And I'm blessed that they all got it. Well, you make it sound almost too easy. The question is, okay, so you so you modeling it, you're giving, you've been influenced, you've got this epiphany, you're really intentional, and you say to your kids, you and your wife say to your kids, okay, we're all going to give now. Was there ever any pushback? I mean, how did they get from what is it to give to actually being, you know, generous, enthusiastic givers? Um, and each one has their own journey, certainly. But... Um, was it just by you modeling it? Was it immersive experiences? Did you make them give? Uh, do you do it together? Do you guys have family meetings? How, well, how, how do you actually get that? They never had it started at an age where there was pushback because it started from the earliest things that they can remember. I have, okay. you know, my my some of my kids went on mission trips when they were five, six years old. And mm -hmm. one of my daughters was someone who we met on a mission trip and, and adopted her. So it's never been something where it was a new concept to them. But I want to go back to something that we talked about just quickly in the first time around, mm -hmm. uh, in the first uh, podcast. So um, Steve said that when we're generous, God gives back. Mm. And God is a much bigger God than, than uh, prosperity theology that somehow he gives back money. Mm -hmm. Just as an <laughs> example. Steve and I met me through this, and he's he's just as terrific a friend as anybody could could want. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't generous, I never would have met him. Mm -hmm. Okay, you got and, a friendship and as, out of it. And as far as my uh, and I got to know you, right? So what are what are really the blessings in life that we want? Okay, mm -hmm. we want people, we want relationships, we want purpose, we want love, we want all those things, unity in our family, and in my family. All of that can be traced back to the fact that we share a spirit of generosity uh, wholeheartedly together. Hmm. And you do. Uh, I remember your daughter, you and your daughter speaking at one of our events. We have a program called LifeWork, and we've actually done a podcast on what is LifeWork. So you can look that up if you're curious about that. But um, basically, it's us uh, talking about integrating our faith and our work, and we do it by bringing in speakers and case studies and reading books by people like Oz Guinness and others. Um, but I remember your daughter, you both you and your daughter sharing some pretty profound things, and she had a pretty profound experience. So, um, and in, in fairness to if any of them, my other kids um, listen to this, they all have a story, but this, this is the one that's gotten out there the, gotten out there the most. I don't want it to seem like she's being favored. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, 
when my mother died, uh, my kids got each enough money in an inheritance to buy a you know a modest price car, mm-hmm. and um, most of them tithed off of that. But there was a specific thing that moved in Samantha's heart, and she said to me, "Dad, I'd like to give half of my inheritance to um, to First Care." Mm. And a ministry a, here in South yes, Florida, yeah, a pro-life ministry. Yep. And it's funny because when she said it, initially my response was, "Don't <laughs> really the whole, like the whole." And then I thought, "Well, of course, that's what she, yeah, you know, you've been training her up." Yeah. So, um, and you know, her life has gone on, and she's she she has not been for want of having done that. But yeah. that was a um, that was a milestone in her life. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so interesting how so many times the giving experiences we all have become a milestone. We have that moment. Um, we have a question we ask oftentimes in various environments through life work or if we're doing an event with our clients with NCF, but we'll talk about um, at some point in your life, you have been on the receiving end of someone else's generosity. And it's fascinating the answers people give. I, was, I remember asking a person this question, and, and I had assumed I already knew their answer because I knew they had just inherited a lot of wealth. And so I thought, I said to this person, hey, you've been on the receiving end of someone else's generosity. You know, what's your story? And I thought she was going to say, well, you know, I just inherited a lot of money. I received my father's generosity. Um, And she didn't go there. She started, and tears came up in her eyes. And she said, when my sister died, our neighbors took me in for three days while my parents made funeral arrangements. And I thought, man, amazing. It's to your point, Doug, that when we think about the benefits of generosity, it's not just commas and zeros. One of NCF's taglines is, or actually it's beyond a tagline, we we call it as a a vision statement, is, is that we redefine generosity. Because so often we think of generosity as only rich people can be generous, or generosity is giving a big check at some auction. When you think about it, it might be as simple as taking in a young girl into your home for three days while she mourns the loss of her sister. Or it's your daughter getting an inheritance check and having this conversation with God and being compelled to take portion of that and give it to a ministry here in town. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Steve, any aspects of your how you've engaged your family in giving? Yeah, so it started when they were very little. We did the the little Larry Burkett bank, you mm-hmm. know, the the tithe, the saving, and the in the spend. And what I always told the girls, you have to give at least ten, save at least ten, and then you can spend the rest. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they would do a little bit more. Then every year we would do this thing where I'd say, all right. Uh, we're going to go, we started out, we were doing that. It was a period of time when it was a lot of fun to pay off people's layaway, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, anonymously. Yeah. And so I told the girls, whatever they put in, their mom and I would multiply it by 10. Okay. So we went and did that, went to Walmart and did that, and did that for several years. Mm. And then as they got a little older and really, st- I started, sh- I, I'm very open with sharing with them what we make and mm-hmm. what we have. And and you asked about, there was there any pushback? Sometimes there was pushback mm-hmm. because there were certain things we could do that, <laughs> that peers of ours were doing who mm-hmm. were probably making similar money. Mm-hmm. And we would say, well, no, we're gonna we're gonna give it over here, and so it, it wasn't significant pushback, but there was some pushback. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then, really, I started asking them, okay, uh, we have this little donor advised fund for you, mm-hmm. and it started out we gave them a thousand dollars, and they mm-hmm. had to tell us who they wanted us to give it to, mm-hmm. and why. Mm-hmm. So, so they couldn't just say, well, let's give it to Urban Youth Impact because Dad serves on the board. No. Mm-hmm. 
why do you want to give it to Urban Youth Impact? Yeah. And and it was cool because they would come back with ministries that we weren't necessarily supporting, not because they're bad, just you can only right. support so many. And one of my favorite things about NCF is I can check a box that says anonymous. Mm-hmm. So I don't get on their mailing list. I don't, I'm sending them $500. They don't right. need to put me on their mailing list and waste $1,000 mailing me the next Sending you a big gift. Years. Yes, yeah. they don't need to do that. <laughs> and so anyway, so that, so that was, that was uh, what we did. And even to this day, uh, uh, you know, and of course they graduated from the little bank and of course everything's electronic now, mm-hmm. but it's pretty neat. Like I know I watch my little, I watch the kids cause you know that we share bank accounts. They have their own accounts, but it comes mm-hmm. up on our statement and I see their little auto debits yeah. going out mm-hmm. to their favorite little ministries. And it's, it's pretty cool to see. And yeah, uh, so cool. it's, it's been fun to watch and, and observe and, and, yeah. and, uh, and as they progress in their giving yeah. journey as well. Well, once again, the love, the intentionality, and that's what your book, A Generous Life, um, is so good at because you're not just filling us with some inspirational stories. Though the book has plenty of those inspirational stories, you also guide us through practically what it means to live a generous life. Um, Yes, there's the principles that we read in Scripture, but then practically, how do we actually develop this gift of giving? And I like even this idea that it's a it's a gift that must be developed. Like we think about that if you have a gift in sports or you have a gift in singing or, you know, the arts, um, yes, you might have this unique gift, but in order for it to be exceptional, you have to spend time in developing it. And the same thing with the gift of giving. And the beautiful thing about the gift of giving is that it's modeled by Christ, the ultimate gift was God sending his son. And uh, during seasons like Easter and Christmas, we really do celebrate that. And as a follower of Christ, it becomes contagious because I begin to understand the gospel. And as I begin to understand the gospel, it then translates in the way I treat. So the wonderful thing about developing the gift of giving is that everybody can develop the gift of giving. I don't think there's such a thing. Disagree with me if you all want. Is there such a thing as a follower of Christ saying, I don't have that gift? No. Doesn't have to be your primary gift, but, you know, I, I can't sing a note, but I sing in church. You know, I don't have the gift of singing, but yeah. I'm still, I sing quite enough that so nobody can hear me. So just because it's not your primary gift doesn't mean it's not a responsibility. Right. And it doesn't always have to do with money. So it could be someone says, look, I don't have a lot of money. I do everything. I'm working three jobs just to pay the rent. So, so you know, I'm doing what I can. I'm actually struggling with the whole tithe thing. But there are other ways they can give. I think it comes back to the heart. Yeah. And the story, of course, the widow's mite's the perfect example, but... You know, I've said this many times. Well, well, I've worked with a single mom who's making, just barely making ends meet. Yeah. She gives $10 a week to ministry. Yeah. Um, in the same week, I'll have a conversation with somebody who makes a million dollars a year. Yeah. And, and they're giving $25,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> the ministry thinks, wow, they're so generous. Right. I'd actually argue that she's been more generous giving right. $10 a week. As a Because percentage. she's making a decision. Yeah. She's going, hey. We're going to have to cut back this week. Yeah. 25 to the guy making a million is like you know, yeah. nothing. So, right. uh, you know, I think it comes back to the heart. It's yeah. always, it's heart, 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 heart. Right. Have you learned any lessons personally as you've gone through this giving journey where perhaps you were disappointed in a decision or you had an opportunity to do something and maybe because of fear or distractions or just not taking the time to be intentional, you, in a sense, bypassed an opportunity to be generous? I don't know that it's been out of fear. I think I I can definitely point to a time about five years ago 
when it just became automatic. Mm, became too automatic. It's just too automatic. Yeah. I've got my auto. Because, and, and listen, ministries love that you give it automatically. Right, That's right. great. I get it. I mean, hey, I pastor a church now. I like when people give automatically. <laughs> it's a yeah. good thing. Helps us budget. It's really good. Mm. But I did find myself going on autopilot. Yeah. And and the Lord revealed that to me. And I got more intentional about it. Talked to my wife about it. And it's funny because she said, you know, I'm kind of feeling robotic too. And we, we hadn't really talked about it. Yeah. And so we just made it a point to, to, to not just let it become robotic and just automatic, but literally we want it, we're still sitting down thinking through who are we giving to, how much are we giving and, and figuring those things right. out. Anything? Done? Yeah, I understand uh, that entirely. Uh, and so uh, how we address it, I'll, I'll, I'll explain that. Because the robotic part, I think, Part of what we uh, experience as donors is just overwhelming number of asks. Yeah. Right? Just overwhelming. And um, it can become numbing. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually had a, a client of mine who's a believer. He said, um, I hesitate to make any gifts because I know I'm going to get deluged <laughs> with additional mm-hmm. responses and then I'm just going to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Right? So, one thing that we did, which is, um, a, a big change is last year, we, uh, Cindy and I, my wife, uh, cut the amount of things that we were doing in half. Mm. And half of our giving is now saved up to a family meeting where our children give. Mm. And we went through a process that was one of your creating giving strategies mm-hmm. uh, workbooks to come up with the fact that my children's priorities were very different than, yours. than ours. Mm. So we were able to continue with uh, what we were doing, and and we eliminated ministries we because it wasn't they were they were sol- um, serving the purpose of of external to the family, but they weren't serving the purpose internal to the family. Mm-hmm. And so now my kids know that once a year that whatever is over and above the commitments we have, we're going to give that uh, together. And that was a way that we mm. were able to address the staleness. And that's giving a lot of, that's giving them a voice, even though they didn't earn the money. Mm-hmm. That's giving them a voice. You're taking half of the of the money that you and your wife are giving away and saying, we're going to give you a seat at the table to help us determine where we give this. Yeah, we all had votes. It wasn't like they made the decision, but there's right. eight of us that made, made the decision instead, of, instead of two. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but I've never, I've never had I've to never. <laughs> exercise it. But another thing that, we, that we've done, my kids know that if there's something in the news about you know, a hurricane, an earthquake, a war, mm-hmm. whatever, they're going to get an, e- an email from me or a text that's going to say, there's a need in Ukraine, there, mm-hmm. whatever, can, can we send them a few yeah. bucks? And we don't necessarily even get into the dollar amounts as far as that part. But what that does is that attaches them to the bigger world around them. Right. And uh, I think that has been a, a Well, the a fact huge that you lesson. would do that versus going, hey, we just, FYI, we just did this. You're saying, hey, guys, let's, 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 let's make a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Free so rain. one of the things that was very intentional about the book is that uh, we 
uh, wanted to make this something that uh, if you go through this book, which is only like, what, 100 pages, mm-hmm. um, that you would be able to have a giving plan by the end of it, mm-hmm. okay? So, uh, there are not a lot of original thoughts of Steve's and mine in here, but one of the blessings of being a generous person, besides making friends with you, is some of the best uh, well-known experts in the country, like Ron Blue and Todd Harper, David Wills, etc., they contributed to the book, mm-hmm. okay? okay? So, if a family takes this book and goes through, and each chapter has our thoughts, a biblical um, uh, basis for our thoughts, uh, a guest uh, speaker, so to speak, Mm -hmm. guest uh, presentation, and then there's questions and action points. And if you go through all the chapters and you answer the questions and create the action points, you will have a giving plan by the end of it. So it's a practical workbook. That was the reason why we did it, because because we wanted to make it easy for people who are just starting out like we were 30 years ago mm-hmm. to have a fast track to get to the place where it could be as joyful and as positive an experience as we've had. Okay, and and one of the gifts we want to give you, we want to we want to demonstrate generosity is that if in listening to this podcast you'd like to get a copy of this book through NCF, um, we would love to make that a gift from us to you, um, and uh, because I think it will uh, not only disciple you and encourage you, but I think you'll come out of it. Um, with this sense of I have a giving plan and I'm being more intentional in my giving and therefore the lot of the joy that comes with it. So a challenge basically from what I understand is actually get get the book, Mm -hmm. go through the book. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys have been generous by saying you're available. If uh, someone wants to contact you all, they can do that through NCF and say, hey, and I believe in the book there's also No cost. It's not... No cost to be able to spend some time with you all. Um, and uh, grab a cup of coffee, whatever, do a Zoom, but be able to help maybe answer some of their questions and what it means to develop this plan, um, what it means to develop this gift of giving. Um, the, 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 you help them develop this roadmap, and, and by doing that, then it, in essence, as you just said, Doug, it really becomes their own story. Yes. And how they do it. Absolutely. So, Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this and being part of this. I mean, the desire behind NCF of creating a podcast called The Generous Life is to really tell the NCF South Florida story. Uh, You've been around. Uh, We talk about what it means to redefine generosity and reimagine community. We talk about invest, equip, unite as being all three expressions of what it means to live a generous life. The intentionality, I hope you heard that in the last two podcasts, and the fact that we want want to provide this wonderful resources to you called The Generous Life, written by Doug Tuhill and Steve Scalisi. So, um, final thoughts from Doug or Steve? Yes. Uh, the challenge to the board members is that- Board members of NCF or just all board members? In South Florida, NCF South Florida. Okay. Because who this is basically uh, uh, focused on- Well, could be on. really a board member of any charity. Okay. But for but, the NCF board members yeah. is this- Get the book, do the book, get coached, move along in the in the uh, uh, sophistication and, and the maturity of your giving, mm-hmm. and then share that with one other person. To replicate yourself. To replicate yourself, because if we took all the board members in South Florida, everybody did that, and once a year got one other wealthy family to go through that, we will, we will have an exponential growth in generosity. And it's a great example of the gospel. Yes. Steve, any final thoughts? You know, when it comes to giving, we talked about this several times, 
But there is nothing greater that you can do with money than Mm. give it away. Mm. I never meet people who are disappointed. Even sometimes you give and you go, oh, that didn't go the way I thought it would. When you obey Christ, when you when you obey the Father and you mm. say, I'm going to be generous towards him because he's been generous towards me. Like there are people who buy things and you regret it immediately. Mm-hmm. There have been investments people make and they regret it immediately. But when you give, mm-hmm. it is just uh, the, the joy that comes from it, it's immeasurable. And, and it's just something that everyone really should experience. And, and just getting to that point where you literally become a radically generous person, mm. you become a giving champion, it is one of the best things you can do in your spiritual walk. On that note, we are grateful for each and every one of you as a listener, uh, listening to Doug talk about replicate yourself, not only do it, but, but teach it, share it, live it. And uh, Steve, as you remind us that uh, there's never a regret in being a generous Christian or a generous person. And so therefore, uh, we encourage you to live that generous life. Thank you for joining us here. God bless you. And until next time. Thank you for joining NCF's The Generous Life podcast. We mentioned in our podcast that if you'd like a free copy of the book written by Doug Tuhill and Steve Scalisi entitled A Generous Life, we would ask you to call our NCF office at 954-771-0110. Again, 954-771-0110. If you'd like to know more about anything we do here at NCF, invest, equip, unite, please visit our website at ncfgiving.com forward slash South Florida. Again, thank you for joining The Generous Life.